Good morning. Welcome to New Covenant Church. Would you join me as we pray for our nation this morning? Father God, this morning we've gathered together here to bring glory to your name, to listen to your Holy Spirit, and to spend time with you. But Lord, this morning I would ask that you show us how we can be better ambassadors for your kingdom here in this place. Lord, with all the troubles and the trials and the conflict here in our own country, Lord, you're the only answer to every one of those issues. So, Father God, help us see our part and give us the strength, the knowledge, and the faith to step out where you call us to be a part of the solution that only you can bring to our country. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you all. Welcome to New Covenant Church. We're glad that you're here. We're excited what God is doing, and uh, Pastor Chris has an amazing word for you today. Uh, I look forward to hearing it again myself. A couple of quick announcements for you. Uh, children, you may want to plug your ears for just a moment. We're going to have our back-to-school supply drive uh, coming right up. The Lampasas Ministerial Alliance has joined together, so we've got six different area churches that are uh, banding together to have one back-to-school rally and supply drive. Outside in the lobby, you'll find a table with a, a list of supplies that uh, they need to put together. If you would take one of those lists, if you could buy what's on there, put it in a bag and bring it back, the Ministerial Alliance will hand those out to needy families in Lampasas so that those children will have everything they need when they get ready to go back to school. I'm sorry to talk about that so early, but we need to get our plans together so that we'll have that ready when the time comes. Uh, this Saturday is the men's breakfast at 8 a.m., so men, uh, grab a friend, neighbor, your sons, bring them, have a, a good time of fellowship and a good meal together. And um, lastly, it's our policy here at New Covenant Church every seven years. Our full-time staff pastors get a time off. They get a sabbatical, and our uh, teaching pastor, Daryl Feemster, is on sabbatical. So if y'all would like to uh, just pray for him while during his time away, that would benefit him very much. And if there's anything that you normally uh, connect with him about, please feel free to reach out to one of our other pastors, whether it be Jeff, Lance, myself, Chris, uh, Brandon, be happy to hear from you at any time during the week. Right, brother? Absolutely. The four or five of us should be able to handle anything that Daryl was normally doing. He's been a great part of New Covenant Church, and he deserves a little time away. Well, stand up with us this morning as we get ready to enter to praise and worship. Father God, thank you for this day. Again, we're so happy to be in your presence. Uh, Holy Spirit, speak to us this morning. Uh, show us the part that we need to play here in this world as ambassadors for your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'll praise in the valley. I'll praise on the mountain. I'll praise when I'm sure. I'll praise when I'm doubting. I'll praise when I'm numbered. I'll praise when surrounded. Cause praise is the water. My enemies drowning. As long as I'm breathing, I've got a reason to praise the Lord, oh my soul. Praise the Lord, oh my soul. I praise when I feel it. And I praise when I don't. I praise cause I know that you're still in control. Cause my praise is a weapon. It's more than a sound. My praise is a shout that brings Jericho down. As long as I'm breathing, I've got a reason to praise the Lord, oh my soul. Praise the Lord, oh my soul. No, I won't be quiet, my God is alive. How could I keep it? 
Father, your name is powerful. Your name is peace. Your name is hope. Lord, it is the name above all names, the name that every knee and every every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that you are Lord and you are Lord alone. Father, I just pray this morning that your spirit of peace would be with each and every one of us, Lord. Lord, that every anxiety, every fear, every worry that we have, that we could put it in your hands this morning and that your peace, your word says that your peace that's beyond our understanding, beyond our comprehension, which means that you give it when it doesn't make sense. When the circumstances around us wouldn't qualify for us to be at peace, you can give us peace. And I pray, Lord, this morning, you give us peace that we could clearly see your word, that we could clearly hear your word and hear the voice of the Holy Spirit as he speaks through your word. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. 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 Well, any Sunday that you can see the baptismal, there's, that means that a baptism either will occur or already did occur in, this, in the first service. I just want to take a moment uh, to say that if you uh, are a follower of Jesus Christ but haven't taken the step of being obedient to Jesus Christ's command to be baptized, I'd encourage you to do so. And you can reach out to myself or any one of the other pastors and we can uh, get with you and, and make that happen. We would love to celebrate that with you and participate with you in that. Well, good morning. We are so glad you're here with us. Y'all look fantastic. Ready for a, a holiday weekend, maybe even a holiday week. <laughs> well, last week we started this series on the mind of Christ. And I gave some in-depth definitions for our brain and mind and laid out the foundation for how as the body of Christ, we have the mind of Christ. Colossians 1 verse 18 makes this clear. It says, and he, speaking of Jesus Christ, is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. This morning's message is titled, The Mind of Christ, His Thoughts. If we are going to even begin to comprehend having the mind of Christ, we have to have an understanding of his thoughts, how he thinks. And we can't do that apart from the transforming power of Jesus Christ. You may be familiar with the passage in Isaiah 55.8 where God declared that his thoughts are not our thoughts. Nothing in our natural mind, our natural logic or way of thinking lines up with God's thoughts. Apart from his transforming us and revealing his thoughts to us. At NCC, we believe Scripture makes it clear that through the transforming power of Jesus Christ, 
His sacrificial life and death and resurrection, the way has been made for us to be reconciled to God and literally raised from a spiritual death to a spiritual life in Him. The life and transforming power that saves our souls for eternity when we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior also has the power to transform our thoughts and our minds and allows us to receive the revelation of truth given to us through the Holy Spirit. In Romans 12, 2, the Apostle Paul encouraged us with these words, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Two things are clear in this passage. Our mind can be transformed and renewed, and we have to test our thoughts to discern if they are our own or from God. In 1 Corinthians 2, 1 through 6, we read, And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom, For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. So that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Yet among the mature, we do impart wisdom although it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. And we'll jump real quickly to verse 16. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Verse 5 and 6 make it clear that the wisdom of God has nothing to do with the wisdom of man. I mentioned Isaiah 55.8 a moment ago regarding God's thoughts not being like our thoughts. The mind and wisdom of Christ stand in sharp contrast to the mind and wisdom of man. With the understanding that we have from these passages, we're going to take a look at his thoughts. And we're going to look at our thoughts apart from him. And then we're going to touch on how we can differentiate between the two. How can we get a perspective on the mind of Christ? The thoughts of God. As I thought about this in my very limited understanding, I was reminded of the definitions for the mind and brain and thoughts that we looked at last week. Our mind controls everything in our body. Sending signals, regulating temperature, controlling movement. It's the epicenter for every thought, feeling, emotion, and mood that we have. If we were to combine all of these things at once for ourself and describe that current state in one word, we could say that that word would define our current state of being. And I wanted us to look at the glimpses that God has given us through his word into his thoughts into his state of being. And we're going to look at several of those in a moment. But as I looked at all of these and thought about God's state of being, if if we could describe his state in one word, I was reminded of a conversation that I had read about. It was a conversation between a young man and the late historian Dallas Willard. Back in 2000, Dallas and this young man were having a meeting, and Dallas asked him a question. He said, if you could define Jesus Christ in one word, what would that be? I don't know if you've ever practiced that exercise, but think about it for a moment. If you could describe Jesus Christ in one word, what would it be? Well, This young man started thinking about that and processing that and words started flying through his mind and he couldn't pick one and and then words started coming out of his mouth. And he started describing Jesus Christ with a lot of one words. And he said, love, compassion, holy, Lord, teacher, risen, healer, savior, And we could go on and on, and I'm sure he did, but finally he stopped talking. 
And instead, he asked the same question to Dallas. And said, well, if you could define Jesus Christ in one word, what would it be? He said, relaxed. Relaxed. Probably not the word you were thinking about. Did you know God the Father is relaxed? Jesus Christ, his son, is relaxed. The Holy Spirit is relaxed. All three of them beyond our comprehension are three and one at the same time and together they're relaxed. And this isn't meaning inactivity. This doesn't mean having things under control. It's the state of being. They're relaxed. And I think this is going to be clear as we look at some of God's thoughts. I had two to three scriptures for each one of these, and I paired it back to one for the sake of time, but there's countless scriptures and passages for each one of these. I would encourage you to look up and study out an area of thought or emotion that we touch on this morning that you may struggle with personally. And allow the mind of Christ, the thoughts of Christ, to replace your thoughts and your mind in this area. Peace. You know, God is peace. Before Jesus Christ came, he was announced that the Prince of Peace had come. The Prince of Peace was here. 2 Thessalonians 3.16 says, Now may the Lord of peace himself, the Lord of peace, give you peace at all times, in every way. The Lord be with you all. So are we supposed to have peace every once in a while? In a moment? In Christ, with the thoughts of Christ, the Lord of peace can give us peace in every moment, in every way. We can have peace. Power and understanding. God's power is beyond our comprehension. We can't even begin to understand His understanding. I listened to a word uh, from Robert Morris a couple weeks ago, and he, he talked about how we use words to describe things, but when it gets into God, our words can't even begin to describe his, how, how that word applies to him. So God has understanding, but our understanding of understanding is nothing of his understanding. Our thoughts are nothing like his. Our ways are nothing like his. And Psalm 147.5 says, Great is our Lord, abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. He's strong. He is strength. We might think that we have strength, but when we use our strength, it doesn't take us very long to get tired, does it? We spend our energy, we spend our strength, and then we have to recover. The definition of strength for God is He is strength. He does not tire. He doesn't run out. He doesn't get exhausted. He is always strong. Psalm 24, 8 says, Who is this King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord, mighty in battle. In Him, we can be strong and courageous. In Joshua 1.9, God speaking to Joshua said, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So you may look at this passage and say, well, this is talking to Joshua. This is about the people uh, being strong and courageous, not God. What does this have to do with God being strong and courageous? Well, we have to ask ourselves the question, how could they be strong and courageous under the circumstances that they found themselves in? How can we be strong and courageous under the circumstances we find ourselves in? The answer is right there. Because God is with us wherever we go. 
the God of courage, the God of strength, the God of power, who never lacks in any of those things, is with us. And God is strong. God is courageous. God is not frightened. God is not dismayed. God is not worried. God is relaxed. He's relaxed. Everything's under control. Everything's playing out exactly like it's supposed to. Can we understand that or comprehend it? No. We can't understand and comprehend what's going on in our own life. How can we understand and comprehend what's going on in every life in this room or this city or this state or this nation or this world? It is beyond our understanding. It's beyond our comprehension. But there is someone who understands. There is someone who comprehends. And he's relaxed. It's all under control. And if we will walk with him and let his thoughts replace our thoughts and his ways occupy our ways, we can relax too. Does that mean things aren't going to be hard? Does that mean circumstances are going to all look great? Absolutely not. If you've read any of this, you know that the people who followed Jesus Christ had very difficult lives and very difficult circumstances. But God promised the same thing over and over and over. I am with you. Apostle Paul was beaten countless times, arrested countless times, ended up dying for the faith. And what did he say? He said, amid these light and momentary afflictions, I look toward the hope that I have in Jesus Christ. Light and momentary. We know nothing of the pain and suffering that he went through, but we wouldn't even call our own circumstances and afflictions light and momentary, would we? How could he do that? Stephen was stoned to death as he was proclaiming the word of God. It says that they stopped up their ears and yelled as he was, as he was teaching them about the love of God, and they stoned him to death. And you know what his response was? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. There was one other man who responded that way. You know what his name was? Jesus Christ on the cross. Those thoughts were not Stephen's thoughts on his own. Stephen had the mind of Christ. The Apostle Paul had the mind of Christ. And the scripture promises us that if we will walk with him, we, the body of Christ, can walk in the spirit, not in the flesh, and have the mind and thoughts of Christ. And no matter what the circumstances, no matter what the trials, we can be at peace and relaxed because someone is in control and his name is God. He's got it under control. We just need to trust him. He's wise. Romans 11.33 says, Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. How often do we want to judge God because of the circumstances in our life? It's so easy. We've all done it. And even looking at scripture, there's passages that I can read that don't make sense to my understanding. It doesn't make sense. But this passage says his ways are unsearchable. His judgments inscrutable. We have to trust him. We have to trust him. And he's patient. As I've grown older, God's gotten more patient. He's actually the same, but I've, my, un, my limited understanding of his patience has grown. And I, I've just thought over and over, you are so much more patient than I realized. My patience is so small, so limited, 
And when I think about the patience that God has shown me, the mercy and grace that he has shown me, it's miraculous. It's beyond our patience. But we can have that patience. Romans 2.4 says, Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? His patience allows us time to come to repentance. And he will give you more time and more time and more time until there is no time. 1 John 4, 7-9 through 9, describes His love. His love is beyond measure. It says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. And again, it's, it's so far beyond the love that we can comprehend. We can't understand it. We can't comprehend it. And in this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent His only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. God is relaxed and at peace because He has done everything that needs to be done. He's taken care of everything. He doesn't run around frantically hoping it's all going to work out. Everything has been worked out. And he's in complete control. And we can join him in that peace when we realize that and realize that he is with us. That gives us a good idea of the state of Christ's thoughts. They're good, they're really good. Well, how about ours? Unfortunately, apart from Christ, it's not a good picture. I don't have to explain that to you. You live with yours every day. And I live with mine. And I know apart from Christ, they are not good. The Bible uses at least a dozen different phrases for the condition of our minds in sin. We're going to read these and I'll read the the locations, but we don't have time to read every scripture But apart from God, our minds are confused. Deuteronomy 28.20 It's anxious and closed. Job 17.3-4 Our minds are evil and restless. Ecclesiastes 2.21-23 Rash and deluded. Leviticus 5.4 and Isaiah 32.4 And the Bible talks about a troubled mind in 2 Kings 6.11 a depraved mind in 1 Timothy 6.5. A sinful mind in Romans 8.7. A dull mind in 2 Corinthians 3.14. A blinded mind in 2 Corinthians 4.4. And a corrupt mind in 2 Timothy 3.8. Our minds in their natural state of sin are the complete opposite of the mind of Christ. We cannot believe everything that we think or the thoughts in our head. We need to test our own thoughts. We touched on it earlier when we read Romans 12 too. And we need to test our thoughts to discern what is the will of God. Thoughts and ideas come from the people and the world around us. The enemy and even our own thoughts. Did you know that we can lie to ourselves and believe it? And not even know that we're lying to ourselves. It's natural to trust our own thoughts. But as we have read, our natural thoughts and the wisdom of man are not the thoughts and wisdom of God. We have to put every thought to the test. Jeremiah 17.9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? 1 John 1.8 says, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. We deceive ourselves all the time. So what do we do about it? 2 Corinthians 10.3-5 says, For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. 
For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Every thought captive. Remember, this isn't something that we can do in our own strength. It's a victory that has already been paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ. We don't fight with the strategies of the world. We fight by taking every thought, every single thought captive to obey Christ. Take that word, take captive every thought. The Greek word there means to control, to conquer, to bring into submission. We take control of, we conquer every thought. We bring all thoughts into submission. How? By sending them to be obedient to Christ. The word there for obey means to bring into submission, to bring under control. Jesus will bring that thought that doesn't line up with his into submission and bring it under control. But we have to send it to him. How do we know what thoughts to send to Christ? We already read it. Verse 5 said, every thought. Every single one. We test all of them. We put them into submission to the obedience of Christ. In John 8, 44, the Bible tells us that Satan is the father of lies. If he can get us to believe a lie, he can get us to sin. Anytime we sin, we're thinking that we know better than God. And he uses the same line that he used from the very beginning with Adam and Eve. Did God really say? Can you really trust him? We have to test every single thought and send them to be obedient to Jesus Christ. Whether they come from an outside influence like our phone, a person, did it? We're finding ourselves in a place today, it's already happening, that we're going to have to send thoughts to be obedient to Jesus Christ that come from artificial intelligence. It's already happening today. It's only going to increase. Should we be worried about that? Actually, no. You know why? You know what God is? He's relaxed. Is he surprised? Is he taken off guard? Is he like, wow, we thought of everything else, but look what they did. We had no plan for this. Who would have thought? He's like, yeah, it's time. It's time. And if they will bring every thought captive to the feet of Jesus Christ, he will bring it into obedience doesn't matter where it comes from. What matters is what we do with it. Are we going to take it, hold it, coddle it, love it, own it, receive it? Or are we going to send it to the feet of Jesus Christ? And he will bring it into submission. Just like Romans 12, 1 John 4, 1 encourages us to test everything that we hear. It says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. We have to test everything. Even if it's coming from a so-called prophet. The Bible's full of, of prophets who weren't prophesying the word of God. It doesn't matter where it comes from. It doesn't matter if it's coming from your own head. Send the thought to Christ and find out if it's one of his If it's causing anxiety, it's not. If it's causing fear, it's not. If it doesn't line up with his thoughts, it's not. Philippians 4, 6 through 9, it's the last passage that we're going to look at this morning, and it's a a good one. If you've never memorized any scripture before, this would be one to memorize. Do not be anxious about anything. Nothing. Not one thing. Do not be anxious. 
In everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's any worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. How can we not be anxious about anything? The answer is right there. You take everything in prayer and supplication and with thanksgiving to God. We take every thought captive and send it to be obedient at the feet of Jesus Christ. Is this a one and done thing? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. What does verse 9 say? Practice these things. Practice them over and over and over again. If that thought comes to your mind, that anxious thought, that fearful thought, send it to the the feet of Jesus. When it comes again, because it will come again, practice and send it to His feet again. Over and over and over And as we practice, our God, the one and only God, the God of peace, God who doesn't worry, God who is never anxious, God who is fully in control of all things, God who is strong and powerful, God who is patient beyond measure, God who is wise beyond measure, God who is loving beyond measure will be with you. He will be with you. He's promised He will never leave you or never forsake you. And He's never broken a promise. You could put your hope in a person or in a government or in schools or systems or whatever, and I guarantee you every single one will fail. If you're married, you can't put your hope in your spouse. They will disappoint you. If they haven't done it yet, Right? Anybody there? They haven't done it yet. We're still good. <laughs> still waiting. <laughs> Everything will disappoint except for God. He's got it under control. You can trust Him. You can trust Him. We've got to practice it, though. I think we all learn too much and practice too little. Please, please, prayerfully consider applying one thing that you learned this morning. One thing. It's easy to be like, oh, well, it was all good. And walk out these doors and go back to your regularly scheduled programming. Take one thing and try to practice it. Ask the Holy Spirit to show you when you're getting off track. Ask him to show you when you're getting a thought that's not his and send it to the feet of Jesus Christ. Practice it. Take one a week, maybe even one a month. I mean, I'm saying, you know, come to church four times. We're called to gather together, but maybe you've only taken one thing for a month to practice. That will accomplish more than doing nothing, than just walking out and saying, well, that was a good word again. That was good scripture again, but I'm not practicing anything. We have to practice. Ask the Holy Spirit this morning to reveal to you one thing that you can actively and consistently start to practice. A spiritual discipline. Start working out that spiritual muscle every day until it begins to get strong. And once you've developed that, ask Him for another one. I guarantee you could live to be a hundred and you'll never run out. 
If you're on the ministry team, I would invite you to come forward. And I ask you to consider this morning, what thoughts do you need to bring to the feet of Jesus? What addiction do you need to send to the feet of Jesus? What type of physical healing do you need to send to the feet of Jesus? Not one of us is exempt from needing a miraculous encounter with Jesus. Every single one of us, including myself, have emotional, spiritual, physical, and mental needs that can only be altered by the transforming, miraculous power of Jesus Christ. Nothing in this world can address it, but Jesus Christ can. He's got it under control, but we have to walk with Him and participate with Him and send it to His feet. And I encourage you, whether it's for the first time this morning or for the hundredth time, bring that need to the feet of Jesus. Send that thought to the feet of Jesus. Send that way of thinking, those patterns of thinking to the feet of Jesus. Every thought, every time, over and over and over. And trust that God is with you. And He will give you His thoughts regarding that matter. And he will set us free because he promised he would. Will you bow your head with me as we close? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your truth. We thank you for your strength and your love and your compassion and your peace and that you are relaxed. If you could tell us one thing this morning, you would say, don't worry. I've got it all under control. I know it looks crazy, but even if I tried to explain it to you, unfortunately, you couldn't understand. But it's going to be okay. I've got it. And I've got you. Come to me. Send every thought, every emotion, every sickness, every disease, every addiction to the feet of my son. And we will be with you. Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Will you stand with us as we close in worship? And this altar is open if you want to come pray. The ministry team is ready to pray with you if you would like to have them agree with you in prayer. But right now, ask the Holy Spirit what He would have you respond with, practice with, and send to the feet of Jesus Christ. Your spirit like water to my 
pray that you would be with us this week, Lord, the God of peace. We invite you into our lives this week, Lord, that we might have your peace and your love and that that would be a light and an example to everyone that we encounter, that they might know that you are God. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Well, the ministry teams will still be available. Um, Also, I just wanted to remind you, uh, Mike, mentioned last week that there is a petition in the foyer. Uh, There's some merchandise being sold at our local Walmart that's not suitable for children to view. And if you um, agree with that, and there's more information on the petition that you can read, but if you uh, are interested in that, you can sign it on your way out this morning. God bless you. Have a great week. Have a great 4th of July. And please try asking the Holy Spirit to practice one thing this week. God bless you.